electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer, coming to you from San Francisco. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. Other people make friends, just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to teach, but to entertain and coach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Now, for the past couple of years, we've had shortages all over the place. That's how you get rampant inflation. When there's not enough of anything, everything gets more expensive. But not anymore. Now I'm on glut watch, and we got a big glut today. A glut in hard goods, things that go into your house, appliances, toasters, mix measures, televisions. Even as that's terrible for the company stuck with this excess inventory, in this case, Target, it is terrific for you, the American consumer. Not to mention the stock market. And that's a major reason why after down opening, where people were confused, the Dow only gained 264 points. Uh, S&P advanced 0.95%. NASDAQ climbed 0.94%. Yep. Target just slashed its second quarter operating margin forecast because they've got too much stuff on their hands, which means they have to cut prices. And that is music to the Federal Reserve's ears, because when they see goods coming down in price, they can hold off on raising interest rates too aggressively, which means we might get a soft landing. Remember, the chief enemy of this market is inflation. But this Target news is one more sign that inflation might be peaking. And if inflation's peaking, then we can buy a ton of stocks we couldn't buy before. Buy, 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 buy. Namely the kind of high-quality tech stocks that I'm out here in Silicon Valley to identify. No wonder they had some spring in their step today. Now, if you look at any chart of any tech stock, especially the ones that are losing money and trading at high valuations, you'll see they all broke down when the Fed declared war on inflation way back in November. These junior growth tech stocks are all about the potential earnings many years down the road. And when inflation's out of control, we know those future dollars will have less purchasing power. Well, when we see supply guts developing, it means price cuts are on the way. It means inflation's calming down. And the Fed has a better chance to engineer that fabled soft landing that we're so hoping for if we're bullish. Which brings us all the way back to Target. 
This morning, Brian Cornell, the excellent Target CEO, said he has to dump billions of dollars in inventory to clear the store so he can bring in new merchandise for the fall. Where does that inventory go? Brian didn't go into specifics when I talked to him last night. But what matters is that these goods, which have been premium price points, much of it imported, are now going to be priced at a discount somewhere in an outlet near you. Target's news was actually big enough to affect the bond market, sending interest rates down because the pin action out of retail can be used if it's as big as Target. Think about it. Think about it. If this happened to Target, it's almost certainly happened to other retailers, even those ones that supposedly don't have any inventory, like Amazon. And that's why the whole retail edifice got hit again today. But let's consider what all this means for you and your portfolio. For seeing as we're on Glut Watch and we finally found one, the first one, that means the Fed can be more measured, more judicious in its rate hikes. Now, they're not going to stop tightening. We need, say, uh, mortgage rates to cause mortgage applications to go lower. But it's less likely that we're going to get hit with a series of brutal 50 basis point rate hikes. Uh, that means we can look at some of the more beaten down tech stocks as long as they're profitable. It means a stock like ServiceNow. Remember, we, we spoke to Bill McDermott last night, or Broadcom, which we'll have on later in the show, have become more attractive. Again, these stocks are all about the future earnings, less inflation, more future dollars, more valuable. It also means that a spectacular quarter from the likes of a company like Salesforce.com will finally be rewarded with a much higher stock price for the same reason. And that stock's down huge. The most richly valued stocks have become, no, they've been hit the hardest since November. Once interest rates started coming down, they can bounce back the hardest. And that's why we stay in them. Remember, I told you to stay the course. Now, I want you to keep that in mind when you see these stocks. They made a U-turn today. It's all about what happened at Target. And you can't find out otherwise. Um, it, 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 other than to realize that Target sent interest rates lower. But Salesforce.com, which we own for the Chapel Trust, is a stock that's become a lot more attractive in a world where inflation is moderating and long-term interest rates are coming down. Although Salesforce might look too expensive in a world of rampant inflation, you take away that inflation and suddenly it looks like a growth at a reasonable price. And remember, I'm using Salesforce as a metaphor. There's so many stocks that we follow that, have, that are, particularly in the tech market, that are highly valued. And these become less highly valued in the sense that they're less rich. That means they're better for you to buy. Less risk. What else can you buy? I have to tell you, even though Target made real mistakes, they also had some very difficult logistics problems, ordering a lot of merchandise that came late after it had already gone out of fashion. So I'm going to ask you for some of the weakness here, even as many people never believe that. The bears will uh, say people can't afford to shop at Target because the price of gasoline is so high. This crowd will eagerly buy the recession-proof stocks. So even though we've got some evidence that the economy is weakening, they'll think that, well, you know what? It, it means that you have to buy companies like healthcare, consumer products, food and drugs. Sure enough, Jam Smucker, the food company, reports a decent quarter, gives a good outlook, and then the stock soars. Eli Lilly, which wasn't rewarded yesterday for its breakthrough weight loss drug, gets rewarded sky high today. Health insurers so weak lately, finally on fire. As for drugs, J&J gets some lift after weeks of heaviness. That's the magic elixir of lower rates talking. Not anything new at the companies, as much as we might want to believe otherwise. It's interest rate specific. Then there's another camp that believes everything revolves around the price of the pump. These guys hold it as self-evident that gasoline and heating oil and air conditioning bills will send us back into a recession. See, they don't care about the electric cars or the rise of remote work. They just look at oil prices and say, well, come on. There can be no hope for a soft land. Instead, we'll get crash landing. These people take action, too. 
See, they love every oil and gas stock. Now, something strangely I agree with, because we bought more oil today for the charitable trust. And if you subscribe or become a member of the uh, investment club, you see the investing club takes action intraday, like on this particular group. Uh, now, uh, I regard it as somewhat of a hedge to the rest of our portfolio when we buy one of these. Uh, but we like the big integrated, like an Exxon or a Chevron. But we also like the smaller producers, like a Devon or a Coterra. If you're managing your own money, and I know many of you are, I'm telling you that you have to own oil stocks here, even after this rally. Wall Street recognizes that, which is why so many energy stocks hit new highs today, even as so many other people felt that maybe inflation could be peaking. Of course, this market's so darn fickle that this whole move could reverse when we get the big consumer price index number at the end of the week. Remember the game plan on Friday? I told you that's the one to watch. That could drive long-term interest rates higher again, putting this whole move on ice, likely causing another leg down in retail. Higher rates are no friend of healthcare either. But because I've set myself up as a glut watcher, I simply can't be negative about what we just heard from Target. It's too big. I think this forecast cut is even good for Target itself, a stock that has now come down 42% from its high. Short term, look, I, I'm no fan of retail. This period is going to be brutal, and the charitable trust stocks of the other retail are terrible. There's just too much of the wrong merchandise in the system. Merchandise bought for the stay-at-home economy when we now have a back-to-normal economy and a travel economy. This is the time for luggage. <laughs> luggage. And it's suitcases. It's time to sell cosmetics. People go out, they dress up. Good thing we have ELF Beauty on tonight, the nation's fastest-growing makeup company. But the real green light here is on the beaten-down techs we are examining Why we came out of here. They might deserve a bit of a resurgence if they have profits and a total romp if they have buybacks and dividends like Broadcom, which we also have on the show tonight in a very rare appearance by CEO Hop Tan. The bottom line, look, I wish it weren't as simple as black and white as buy growth stocks when interest rates go down or simply as buy oil. But that's exactly how it is. So please embrace it. This is not a subtle market. I don't want you to overthink it because sometimes it can be easy. Let's take calls. Let's go to Josh in Florida. Josh. Jim, I'm looking to start a long-term position in Bed Bath & Beyond and wanted to get your take on whether or not I should start that before the earnings call or wait till after the upcoming earnings call. I, I think Mark Tritton is a very good merchandise manager, but I haven't liked anything I've seen when it comes to the balance sheet, when it comes to the buyback, when it comes to the technology behind the scenes. So I'm going to tell you that as much as the stock looks very, very cheap, and it is uh, historically, it's not cheap on an earnings basis. So I cannot recommend a company who's losing money like they are. Okay, look, guys, this is not a subtle market. I don't want you to overthink it. On Mad Tonight, the San Francisco check tour continues. The ride-sharing companies have struggled to rebound along with the greater economy. And I'm digging into the highs and lows with the co-founder and president of Lyft. And ELF can beautify your face. But what can it do for your portfolio? I'm taking a closer look at the company's top brass. And amid the tech tumble, Broadcom has held up much better than others. From a stock buyback to a top and bottom line beat to a great acquisition, I'm finding out what's about to come with the CEO. So stay with Kramer, coming to you from San Francisco. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? 
Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. Gas prices are hitting unseen levels. Headwinds have made for a ride on the rumble strips. With a stock up on blocks, can this company lift itself out of the breakdown lane? Right, a month ago, we got a widely panned forecast from Lyft, the big ride-sharing company. While they reported a really good quarter, their guidance for the current quarter was ugly. Slightly lower than expected sales, much lower than expected earnings. Because they're spending a lot of money to improve the user experience. You want that, right? Increase the driver pool. Lyft stock had already come down from $68 at its highs last year to $30 before the quarter. Then it plunged nearly 30% the next day. And since then, it's continued falling down to about $17 and change today. So what do we do with this kind of company? Lyft's actually going to track to earn roughly a buck next year. I mean, which means it's selling for just 17 times next year's earnings. One of the cheapest stocks we're finding out here. If they can make those numbers... Well, the stock will really look cheap in retrospect, but is it worth sticking your neck out? Why don't we just check? Let's check with John Zimmer. He's the co-founder, vice chairman, president of Lyft. Get a better sense of the story. Mr. Zimmer, welcome back to Man Money in person. It's good to, good to see you in person. All right, so there are a lot of people who are watching, and they didn't lose money in Lyft. All they know is that they like Lyft, okay? And they hear that the company might earn a dollar next year. Now, they might say, wait a second, if the forecast stays ugly, they can't do it. We don't want to be there. Has there been any turn? Are things a little better? Yeah, overall, I mean, if you look back to the start of the pandemic, we were hit with the pandemic that everyone was that uh, shut down about 70% of our business. During that time, we improved our adjusted EBITDA by $800 million on $400 million less in revenue. So we made massive improvements in Q1 on the quarter we just reported on. Uh, we made massive improvements on, on the rider side, 4 million more riders than we had a year prior, active on the platform again, drivers, active drivers up 40%. So yeah, we're seeing good signs uh, of, of the momentum. Since you ported even? I'm not going to comment on that. Well, I can't, can't right, go well, forward. Well, let's put this yeah. to rest then. Wedbush yeah. says, as a negative, Lyft is spending money like a 1980s rock star. And this will have a violent negative reaction from investors in an already jittery market. Fair? 
Uh, no, I'd say, I'd say that's a little overstated. A lot of the investments that we have and that we talked about on our Q1's earnings call are within our control. So as we see changes in the market, uh, you know, on the driver's side or rider's side, we can pull back uh, and adjust any of those investments. Now, are you having better luck getting drivers? And also, given the fact that gasoline is so high, are people intimidated by it? Yeah, in, in general, the, the driver equation is improving, as I said, 40% active drivers year-over-year improvement. Uh, and then something very important is the number of rides a driver does. Over 20% more rides per driver uh, versus 2019 in Q1. So that's improvement as well. Now, uh, things are still not back in some places, right? In San Francisco, I know things are not back to where they were pre-pandemic, some, some parts of the east. When is that going to come back? Uh, hopefully as soon as possible. Um, obviously not fully in our control, right. uh, but we're doing some things to adjust to the change in, in market dynamics. So as you mentioned, on the East Coast, we have markets now, uh, Miami, New York, upwards of 90 plus percent uh, since the pandemic in terms of recovery, uh, in some cases going back above uh, where it was uh, pre-pandemic. But on the West Coast, you're seeing more like 50 percent recovery. And so one of the things we're, we're doing is we're rolling back out shared rides. It represented 20 to 30 percent of our rides pre-pandemic, but okay. obviously when it was dangerous for people to be next to each other, we turned off shared rides. It's coming back now. That's a huge uh, opportunity for us to grow into uh, on the West Coast as well as on the East Coast. Well, also, I mean, demographically, things have changed. You talk about blue-collar demand versus uh, front-of-screen demand. Why is that changing? Yeah, I mean, at the beginning of the pandemic, there was this luxury of, of those that could sit behind a screen and work. And many people just have to get to their job site. Right. Uh, and maybe they tried uh, Lyft for the first time instead of using public transportation uh, and really enjoyed that experience. And so now building that is more part of their transportation equation. So we've seen this growth on, on what you say, maybe blue collar workers who, who need to get to a physical location. Well, that makes sense. Different. Yes, you got to be there if you're that. Now, uh, you have pointedly deviated, or let's say differed from, from Uber in terms of a focus, laser focus, on transportation, but not just autos. That's been your theme. Yep. How's that working? It's working well. Uh, we, we talked to one main consumer who wants to get from A to B, uh, and we provide them with all the options. You know, whether that's uh, a bike in New York City, we have city bike, uh, whether that's a ride share, a shared ride, uh, or whether that's a rental car that we now have on the platform. It's all someone trying to get from A to B. Uh, and by focusing on that, we can deliver a better experience to our riders and drivers. Now, uh, a scooter person might be uh, saving money on gas, too, right? Yeah, we have electric scooters, electric bikes, uh, and also electric cars uh, through our rental program. Well, I was going to ask you, how about electric cars that are autonomously driven? Is that a threat to you or is that good? It's a huge opportunity. So what, what we see happening is that there will be a hybrid network, meaning uh, on day one, just like what happened with phones, you didn't have 3G go to 4G, go to 5G uh, on separate networks. You still needed to be able to make a 3G call when 4G wasn't available. Right. The same thing is going to be too with autonomous vehicles in that they won't work for all use cases for a very long time. It'll do 5% of the trips. 95% of the time, you're going to rely on a rideshare driver. So that's all going to happen within the Lyft network, uh, and we'll scale up with our autonomous partners. Now, one thing I, I like very much that you're offering is from personal experience, but you're giving mental health care to people. I, I have a, a, long stretch that, so a, long, a long stretch that mental is the same as physical. They're the same thing. It just happens to be the brain. It's not your uh, elbow. So how's that? Uh, do people appreciate what, they, what you're doing? Yeah, especially as we go through the pandemic uh, and people are 
Some are working in the office. Some are working at home. Uh, letting team members know we care deeply about them, their experience, and, and want to invest in them is, is, is doing really well for our recruiting. And I know from People Magazine, this is uh, personal experience, which is you know, strange. I wrote a whole book about it, so it's no, I'm no secret. Yeah. But it's just obviously you cared and put your, your company's money where it mouth is, and it, it's good. Absolutely, yeah. We're, we have an empathetic leadership team uh, that we do that because it's the right thing, but also because it's good for business. When you have motivated team members that are healthy and happy, they do their best work. Yeah. One last thing, again, I have to just because I know people are thinking about it. Um, the possibility of earning a dollar next year or thereof, something that we sh- is aspirational or something that is perfectly in the realm if, if things stay the same as they are in the country. I can't, I can't give forward guidance. I can say that we're confident in the outlook ahead. Uh, we've made no major changes to our long-term guidance that we provided uh, going into the IPO. Uh, and, and, again, we're, we're seeing positive signs in the marketplace uh, and, and making the right moves uh, to put us in the best position. All right. That's what I want to hear. Right. Thank you so much. Thank that's you. John Zimmer, who's the co-founder, vice chairman, and president of Lyft, who, by the way, came on in before the company was public. Man, money's back in the break. Coming up, can this stock make your portfolio feel pretty, oh so pretty? Kramer faces facts at the cosmetics counter next. Vacations are always good. Sometimes they're even great. And Celebrity Cruises is about to ruin all of that. Because once you explore with us, you'll never want a vacation any other way. And with new Quick Caribbean Escapes, you'll never want a weekend any other way either. Celebrity Cruises. Nothing comes close. Visit Celebrity.com, call 1-800-CELEBRITY, or contact your travel advisor. Ships Registry, Malta and Ecuador. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast, indeed.com slash mad money terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need indeed. While we're out here, you should know that there's more to San Francisco than tech and all its misery. You've got high-quality companies that make real stuff and sell it at a profit, too. Companies like ELF Beauty. That's a digital-focused cosmetics company based in Oakland that was originally team-focused, but has really broadened its appeal since they started selling in Target. Two weeks ago, ELF reported a magnificent quarter with double-digit sales growth and earnings that more than doubled Wall Street's estimates. Even though the forecast wasn't exactly perfect, the stock could explode higher because it's already down 33% for the year going into the quarter. So can the stock keep climbing? Let's dig deeper with Tarang Amin. He's the chairman and CEO of ELF Beauty to figure out where his company's headed. Mr. Bean, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you for having me. 
I have to tell you, you put up some incredibly impressive numbers. What were the drivers of that last quarter that was so magnificent? And if you can, tell us about how you were able to expand gross margin when everyone else is decreasing. Well, I'm incredibly proud of our team. We just had our 13th consecutive quarter of net sales growth. We finished our fiscal year with 22% net sales growth, uh, 22% EBITDA growth, and we continue to build a lot of market share. And it really is a continuation of the strategy we've successfully executed over the last three years, our ability to engage consumers with prestige quality beauty products at extraordinary values. Well, let's talk about that because the share taking in an industry which really has been very hard to shake up has been monumental. Can you tell our viewers how you've leapfrogged over other brands that have really been in the medicine chest for years? Well, I think it's our ability to engage core consumers. Uh, we just became the most favorite brand amongst teens, so our ability to really engage and speak to them in a way that's relevant. We just passed Revlon for the number four position in cosmetics overall, and we're the only top five brand, I think, to pick up 120 basis points a share in the last couple of years. And yet, at the same time, you've been incredibly sensitive to the fact that not everybody can afford to move up. You've got a two-tier pricing strategy that I really like. Sure. Like every company, we face the cost headwinds everyone has faced. So we did have to take pricing on about two-thirds of our items. So we, these are items that compare to prestige quality products. So taking them up a little bit still made them an extraordinary value. But one of the things that we're really conscious of doing was keeping our low price point products untouched. So our $2, $3, $4 items, we didn't touch because we wanted to make sure that every consumer had access to our products and even those that might be on a real budget and they can afford our products and those who want to get something better than prestige can also get our I products. I mean, it's true, especially with rising gasoline prices. Now, I, we're out here in San Francisco and the first thing people say when I ask them about business is, well, you know, you understand China, there's a lockdown, we can't get our equipment, we can't get it done. I read through your quarter. It didn't stop you at all. You navigated the supply chain perfectly in China. How was that possible? Well, we have a phenomenal team in China. Our entire team is in the Shanghai area, so they were indeed locked down for two months in their apartments. But between them and our exceptional suppliers, we're able to stay in production and continue to ship our products and been able to maintain 95% customer in stock. So I'm really proud of our team. Well, you just, they should be. You should be proud of them. Now, uh, my wife and I love Target. And I brought home a sample that you gave me, and my wife saw it. Uh, ELF at Target. It's just, look, uh, Jim, let's just get this. This is terrific. Now, you've managed to be able to appeal to all demographics. Now, something happened there that getting into Target was a big game changer, as it was with Ulta. How did you crack those, given that you're really a direct-to-consumer outlet to start? Well, I think our strength, we're a pioneer digitally, a digitally native brand, and our strength with consumers online. We have the number one mass e-commerce site in Color Cosmetics, and our exceptional value equation, I think, appealed to Target. Target's been a phenomenal partner. They're our longest-standing national retail partner, and in the last year, we grew our business there over 20%. In fact, we just passed Neutrogena to be their second largest brand across cosmetics and facial skin. But Neutrogena's got an unlimited ad budget. How is that possible? Well, I think it's more than how much you spend with the consumer. It's how you engage them. We're a real pioneer digitally. We're one of the first beauty brands on TikTok. Our latest hashtag challenge, I think, generated 14 billion views. Four different hashtag challenges we've done that are over a billion views. We're one of the first beauty companies in gaming. We have a channel on Twitch. I think we tend to be where Gen Z tends to be, and we tend to do things that really engage and entertain them. Well, look, I mean, I've got ELF Cosmetics and Duncan. Now, I would never have thought of that comment. Did this work? 
it worked phenomenally well. And Duncan and you work. It does. It does. Because if you think about it, we're two like-minded disruptors. Uh, Elf is a teen favorite. Duncan is a teen favorite. You put these two brands together and do a collaboration. I think that collaboration, we saw 5 billion views. People well, went let, crazy for let it. Let me ask you. You are known as a diverse company. A lot of people feel these days in this polarized environment, well, that's forced or whatever. It's just as a free SG. How much of your growth is because you are able to be in touch with everyone? Well, it's fundamental to where we are. Our mission is best of beauty made accessible to every eye, lip, and face. And so we need to make sure that our company reflects that. Our employee base is over 80% women, over 40% diverse, over 60% Gen Z and millennials, the very consumers we aim to serve. But it's not just our employee base. All the way to the top, our board of directors is majority women, actually over 50% women, 40% diverse. We're one of only 25 public companies in the U.S. out of 4,500 that have those kinds of stats. And so it's embedded in the DNA of our company, and it's so essential to our success. Would your advice be to the CEOs who are watching, perhaps you ought to think more than just lip service about this? No, absolutely. I think, you know, there's, I've always heard the excuses over the years of why there wasn't enough representation. I'd love to tell you it was hard, Jim, but it was easy. When I said I wanted more women on the board than men, uh, we got the right recruiter. We were able to go after it, and we have a phenomenal board. I would put our board up against any other board well, in the country. That's the most favorite thing I've heard since I've been out here. Uh, it's always a joy to see you, sir, and what great numbers. That's Sarang Amini. the chairman and CEO of ELFU. The symbol's very easy. It's Elf Beauty. Uh, stock's up very big today, and it's deservedly so. It's not done. Midway's back after the break. Coming up, a new partnership with VMware is in the works. Can Broadcom turn their big acquisition into big gains? Find out next. Does a major acquisition mean a rapid pivot to newfound riches? This chip-making giant is making plays. Are new opportunities an exciting antidote to industry headaches? Throughout the tech meltdown over the past six months, you know what's held up better than most? Broadcom Semiconductor Company focused on networking equipment and the data center with a hardware and, more importantly, a software kicker. This thing's only down 15% from its late December highs, in part because the stock is so darn cheap, selling for 15 times earnings, and it's got almost 3% yield. But it's also because Broadcom's doing just fine. Two weeks ago, the company reported a strong set of numbers with encouraging guidance for the current quarter. At the same time, perhaps much more important, we learned they're shelling out $61 billion in cash and stock to buy VMware, one of our favorites, a major cloud infrastructure play, accelerating Broadcom's diversification away from traditional semiconductors. And if that wasn't enough, they announced a massive $10 billion buyback on top of the $3 billion repurchase plan that was already in place. In response... The stock jumped nearly 10% over the next two days, although it's given back a little bit since then. But this is exactly the kind of stock. This is the stock I want you to be thinking about. Earlier today, we got a chance to speak with Hock Tan, the brilliant president and CEO of Broadcom, right after the purchase of VMware. Take a look. Hock, congratulations. This deal, I think, is the capstone. Tell us about we'll make your business 50% software because that's so exciting to so many of us who appreciate the growth that you've always had. Right. And we think it's a great asset and it's a great acquisition for us because, uh, you know, it's very incredibly aligned with our strategy of building the, uh, the leading provider of infrastructure technology globally. 
And this acquisition has all the attributes we seek. You know, they are the leader in mm -hmm. a big and glo growing global markets, blue chip customers, and they have incredible talent of engineers, very innovation-centric culture, which is exactly what Broadcom is all about. Now, do you think there's enough uh, overlap with VMware and your current Broadcom uh, salespeople that you'll be able to make it so that the channel, you'll be able to offer both hardware and software? Can that work? It's largely software, okay. largely software, because our hardware tends to be sold through systems integrated okay. OEMs. But software, absolutely, combined with Broadcom existing software portfolio, will create a uniquely powerful value proposition to our enterprise customers, one that will enable them to effectively run, uh, develop, run, manage their applications seamlessly, securely, uh, across from on-prem, private right. cloud, to multi-cloud. And Huck, I think a lot of people don't know, your core business is one that is excellent, uh, throughout, it's always been excellent. And you have customers you, that people don't realize you have. For instance, you talked about Meta, the old Facebook, maybe being a billion dollar customer. Your customer lists are all the big companies and they seem to love what you do for them. Absolutely, we sell on technology. We create the best leading edge technology out there that enables what is the strong uh, underlying fundamental trend going on today, which mm -hmm. is every enterprise out there needs to expand, create and expand a digital footprint in order to be more efficient, productive, addressing what is needed. And we are the enablers of making that happen. Now, one of the things I've been saying on Mad Money is we're looking for companies that make things and do stuff that reward shareholders and have a reasonably priced stock. Hawk, I've got to tell you, in the same breath of buying VMware, you immediately talked about what you were going to do for existing shareholders. Why can't others out here see what you do in terms of your realization that the shareholders own the company? Well, you know, we never lose sight of this focus. One is that we're there for customers. We're there to make sure our employees have great opportunities and succeed, but equally, we're there to deliver consistent, compelling value to our shareholders. They are, part of the, they are a big part of the reason we exist. And you immediately talked about buyback. That dividend is a very positive uh, division of cash flow. People, again, out here, Huck, they don't think like that. Why do you recognize that to build that stable, stable group of shareholders allows you to do these great deals, and then you do them accretively? It's not a waste of their money. Absolutely not. In fact, the way we think about why we issue dividends, even as we keep on a strategy of acquiring great assets, is simply that we feel, while we like our shareholders, to think of us as a long-term investment, as a long-term play, we feel that we are rewarding them as we progress, as we advance, which is why we save, we put aside half our free cash flow as a return of dividends, and the other half in return, they let us keep to do the next deal. 
and grow the business. All right. Well, my colleague David Faber said, I, you must ask Hawk if he's out of deals. Now he's being, buying companies as big as VMware. Is there anyone left? Oh, I'm sure there will be. But I'm focused one deal at a time, and this is it, VMware. Okay, so uh, I'm not hearing anything about inflation, about the pace of economy, about concerns you might have, about what the Fed is going to do. That's never been your style. You just don't seem to focus on that at all. Well, no, because I think we are fairly unique in the way we focus on a business. To start off with, I have a great advantage. I have a strong tailwind, my business and the business model, which is about technology spending. Technology needed to create digital transformation. I know you heard that a lot of times. Sure, we really have. Every enterprise needs in these days to modernize themselves and create a digital footprint. And Broadcom, with 22 different franchises out there, key franchises in technology, enables that to happen. In fact, Jim, I got to tell you, in 99.5% of every bit of data that flows in the internet will cross at least one or more Broadcom chip. And what's incredible is when I look at your complete mosaic, every one of them is doing well. It's almost as if you don't tolerate divisions that don't perform. Frankly, I don't. <laughs> I don't. These are the key criteria is sustainability. Right. To qualify as a division on a Broadcom platform, you have to stand alone and you have to sustain your business, your mission for the next 10 years at least. Well, I want to urge people who want dividend income, consistency, and a very inexpensive stock that Hawk Tan has delivered and delivered and delivered for Broadcom. Thank you so much, Hawk. It's absolutely great to see you. Jim, my pleasure. We have money to be back here. Just chill out. Is this Chill Master Jay? The chill man is in the house. He's happy. The lightning round is coming up when Mad Money returns. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Keep that. Time for the lightning round. Let's start with Michael in Arizona. Michael. Hey, Jim. First time caller, long time listener. Well, I love that. What's up there, Michael? Well, I, you know, I'm a early club member, too. And you've been yes. my uh, honorary CFO for many years. Oh, geez. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, Michael. Yeah, Thank you very much. Yeah, my uh, I stock, I'm curious where it's heading is Blackline. See, their Blacklines, they're losing money, and even though they may make money next year, I got to tell you, we can just not go with it. We are being very hard line about this. The market's too hard for that. I need to go to Peter in Texas. Peter! Hey, Jen, first time caller, long time listener. What first do you time, think? long time. Yeah, first, what do you think as a long term hold for a retirement portfolio? What do you think of Enbridge? Oh, that is exactly what you should be buying. And we've had them on a number of times. The yield's terrific, and the company's got growth. You can't beat that combination. John, in my home state of New Jersey. John! John, Mr. Kramer, thank you very much for taking my call. My pleasure. I want to first say, personally, uh, from the heart, that the episode you did years ago on 9-11, 
and the World's Trade Center was was one of some of your best work, thank and you. it was greatly appreciated by the people out here. Ah, uh, thank you, so, thank you for some work hard on that one. Thank you, that means a lot. Yes, to you me. did. Thank you very much. Uh, the, the company I'm calling about today is Axogen. It's a very they may, they're trying to do stuff. Maxi, uh, uh, you know, unfortunately, unfortunately, familiar with the work. And uh, it's medical device, and I think you have to stick with tried and true. The best medical device company has to be buried within Johnson and Johnson, and that's the one I'd like to buy. Anthony in Maryland, Anthony. Mr. Kramer, booyah from the home booyah. of King Crabs and Old Bay. There I go. I like both. What's up, Phillips? Yeah, my question is about Met Light, ticker symbol MET. Oh, it's so cheap. It's got a 3% yield. It's incredibly cheap. I'm going to have to say yes to that, even as I'm not a great friend of the insurers because they've been so tough. That is too cheap a stock. I need. I, I, I happen to like Chubb best. Let's go to Brian in Massachusetts. Brian! What's up, my man? Big booyah from the B-Town. Well, I'm loving that. Man? Hey, listen, you got I, you know, a tough series. You can still win. What's up? I, I, I ain't giving up hope. <laughs> we got this. Don't worry. I'm saying it's season five. <laughs> Anyways, um, I got the stock BRDG. Yeah. Okay, so that's real estate that we don't really know what they do. And whenever I get in these real estate companies that I don't know what to do, I always say, pass, because there's too much room for error. Let's go to William in Missouri. William. Yeah. Hey, how you doing, Jim? The big booyah to you. All right. What's up? Okay, uh, I'm a long time listener to you. Hope to meet you one day. But uh, my the, the one I'm watching the most is uh, FTCH. Uh, oh, so tough. I mean, when we got an outfit like Target that's struggling, how are we going to do with Farfetch? I say buy Target down here. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. a lot of cybersecurity coverage while we're here in San Francisco because right now it's one of the most resilient parts of the tech ecosystem, if not the most resilient. Just look at Kramer Fave Palo Alto Networks, the one-stop shop for all your corporate cybersecurity needs. We just spoke to these guys less than three weeks ago after the company reported the latest in a string of really terrific quarters, right when the rest of the market was falling apart. Since then, Palo Alto stock has rallied more than 20%. I wouldn't be surprised if it's got a lot more room to run. This week, they're attending the Cybersecurity Focus RSA Conference. It's happening in San Francisco right alongside our visit, and we want to catch up with them. There's a lot more to this story. So let's take a closer look with Nikesh Arora. He's the chairman and CEO of Palo Alto Networks, who's joining us straight from the conference. Mr. Arora, welcome back to Bed Buddy. Well, thank you again for having me, Jim. Okay, Nikesh, you're the person who can really fill us in. Uh, the, maybe the greatest growth area in the world right now is cybersecurity. And what on this? The stakes just keep going up and up and up. You're talking about now average ransom payments up 71%. That's like the rule of 70 for ransom payments. <laughs> if you don't enjoy it, about his rule of 70, right? Yes. <laughs> George well, Kurtz. Yes, yes. Well, we're, we're at a 60. We're at 60. We're just three times larger. So it's well, harder to maintain 60 It's always growth. good to just, you know, give that slight dig. No, I like I George. That. George doing a great yeah, job. Yeah, he said the same about yeah. you. Really well, when, when he grows up, he'll be big as Palo Alto. All right, well, let's put that aside for a few minutes. Yes. Uh, we'll get, maybe, maybe not get back to that. But now, as it is, something's changed here. And I think what's changing is something that you talk about, which is that we need to have 
new zero trust approach. Maybe if we do this, the government will join you and make it so if people don't do this, they go after them, which because this would end a lot of the cybersecurity. Yeah, look, Jim, it, it, Rome wasn't built in a day. We've got 10 years of legacy infrastructure in IT stacks everywhere. The government, our country, other countries, and every enterprise. So you can't just wish it away. It's going to take us 10 years to replace, replace that stack with better answers. Now, for that, you've got to start now. If you don't change it now, if you don't do the right thing now, you're never going to get out of this. What you're noticing is that hack, bad, hack, bad actors, hackers have figured out there's money to be made. They go and they shut you down from remote places. They don't have to be here physically. Law enforcement doesn't know how to find them. They're sitting in some country which is far away, which probably has no extradition capability. They're sitting there and holding you to ransom. And then they're asking you to pay in Bitcoin. I heard you and George talk about yes. Ethereum and Bitcoin. Hub, this is true. So people are paying using cryptocurrency. They're not being traced in certain instances. certain instances they are. So it's kind of the Wild West right now. But this is extortion. This is actual extortion. And let me ask you something. Economic arbitrage? <laughs> Indeed. But could they shut... Let's, let's be... Uh, be grandpa. They could shut down any product line in this country, right? You're well, making think, mayonnaise that could shut it down. You're making coins that could shut it down. Well, think about it. On average, it's about thirteen to 1,500 companies being held to ransom in a year. Now, this is the good case. The good case is saying, you pay me, I've got a help desk, I've got people helping you, I'll treat you, teach you how to move the money to me, and I'll help you fix your problem so you don't get attacked again. They provide customer service on that front. So I know they've got... This they've is the pay- good case. Right. The bad case is they get a superior order from someone saying, don't take money, let them stay shut. That right. creates economic chaos. But and that's we- why we have to be worried about these ransomware attacks turning into chaos-creating events. Right, but let's step back for a second, because you're the leader of the industry. Right now, if you pay ransom for a kidnapper, the government's going to go after you. You're not allowed to do that. That's yes. the federal law. Yes. Do you think if the feds were to go after someone who paid ransomware, it would make it so that people would know you got to go to Palo Alto, this thing's getting too dangerous? Yeah, look, I think there are a lot of CEOs I've interacted with personally who are caught in a bind where they don't want to pay the ransom. And to be fair to them, some of them have mustered up enough courage and said, I'm not going to pay. I'll deal with the consequences. And the consequences typically are they've got to rush. They've got to fortify their infrastructure right. as quickly as they can. They've got to go make sure there are backups available. If their business gets impacted, they're going to bring it back up and run their business again. So we're beginning to see a set of CEOs and CIOs make that decision and be brave enough to say, I'm going to stand up against this. Right. In some cases, the impact is so large and they're mean time to get back up is so high that they succumb and they end up paying ransomware. I think there's a lot of conversation around this. Law enforcement is involved. I think the government is involved. and They're trying to figure out a way to make sure that we can, we can help businesses tied through this. But it all calls for more security awareness and spending more money and making sure your, your, your defenses are fortified. Well, I got another way to do it. If the bad guys are smart, yes. they'll look at who's got Palo Alto and they'll say, Listen, you know what? It's easier to hack a guy who doesn't. Let me go to the other guy. They're not looking at the door at the car with the doors that are locked. They're looking yes. at the car with no lock. If you are a customer of Palo Alto, yes. doesn't it pay for you to say, hey, listen, you know what? I feel better because they'll go after the other guy. Well, I appreciate your marketing for us. Yes, of course. If they are going to buy Palo Alto, there's a very high likelihood they'll be more secure than other places. But like, I think I'm looking at this from a global good perspective. We have a lot of gap between where we need to be and where we are. 
This requires the entire industry to rally and make sure that all of our customers collectively are secure. And that's going to take a while. But I think the most important part is that this has to be taken seriously by management teams. It has to be taken seriously by boards. It has and to be Colonial taken didn't make them. I mean, what, are the, what does it take to make people feel serious? I, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, it didn't happen to me. You know, sometimes you see somebody get hit by a car, so oh, thank God it didn't happen to me. Right. I'm safe. So part of it is people need to understand it could happen to anybody. It could happen to you any point in time. And the effects are as, as devastating to you as well, they were the last person. But shouldn't you, after all these stories, presume it's going to happen to you? I mean, come on. Why we, have, we, we all carry auto insurance because we have to presume that it could happen to us. Why, why isn't that the case in your business? It is. I mean, look, there's a reason all of us are showing spectacular growth, because you are seeing the tides are shifting. You are Including seeing... CrowdStrike? CrowdStrike's a great company. George is a wonderful guy. They're doing a great job. I know. Uh, a so of... it's more like Yale or Harvard than it was, <laughs> you know, I thought it was like good guy, bad guy. Look, Jim, this is not the internet. It's not a winner takes all. It's not Facebook versus MySpace or Google versus Bing. It's you know, we can all survive in a market where we all have the right incentive to secure our customers. Well, I'm glad you're out there to do this because I've got to tell you, I have now seen it personally. And it's ugly when someone gets hit. It is. Very it ugly. is. It is very ugly. And very scary. That's Nikesh Rory's, the chairman, CEO of Palo Alto Numbers, which is the best acting one in the group and one I've liked ever since he joined it. At what, 190, 201? And you bought, what'd you buy? How many is it, 190? Uh, I bought $25 million shares. And, $25 million. Yeah, $25 million here, $25 million there. There's always a bull market somewhere. I promise you I'll find it just for you right here. Oh, man, buddy. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news of Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.